Has anybody here ever been to a seafood boil? You can raise your hand. Okay, most of us, half of us at least. Maybe you've been to a crawfish boil. It doesn't really matter the type of seafood. Um, yesterday, we had a shrimp boil at my house. Shrimp, andouille sausage, potatoes, corn. It was delicious. And I think I gained about three pounds from that meal. But it got me thinking as I was preparing to, to preach today, why don't we call it a seafood baptism? I mean, we dunk everything into the water and we bring it back out. It kind of seems a little bit like baptism. And Johnny, like he just was reminding us, he did say that everything points back to Jesus. But in all seriousness, of course, we don't call it a seafood baptism. But why not? Why not? In order to understand that, we have to to understand what baptism is. And I'm guessing that there may be some of us here this morning that don't know what baptism is. You may not understand why we practice it. If I were to ask you to come up here right now and explain baptism, could you do it? Maybe some of us could, maybe some of us couldn't. That's okay. But my hope is by, that by the conclusion of our time today, you would be able, each one of us would be able to both understand and explain baptism. So I want to focus our time together today on answering two questions. There's two questions. Number one, who does Jesus command us to baptize? And number two, why does he command us to baptize them? Who does Jesus command us to baptize, and why does he command us to baptize them? So turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28. And while you're turning there, my name is Jeremiah Meadows, and I have the privilege of serving here as the community group's pastor And I'm glad that you and your family are here today. Since Easter, we've been focusing on the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And the first week, we talked about what it means to make disciples. And last week, we talked about how we do that as we go. It's something we do as we go. As we look at the text this morning, we're going to find out the answers to those questions. Who does Jesus command us to baptize and why does he command us to baptize them. But before we read that, I want to uh, pray together and then we'll look at the text. So let's, let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be here this morning. We're grateful for this beautiful weather. And what a, what a joy and a privilege it is to worship you um, as one body out here today. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for um, the fact that, that you're alive, that you are with us in this place. We believe that you are here. And we ask that you would um, direct our minds, direct our hearts, that you would have your way with our time as we look at your scripture today. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 28, and I'm just gonna read the 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 whole Great Commission. So look at verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've been talking about the fact that Jesus has all authority. We've talked about that the past two weeks. He is the author of life as the one who created us and gives us the breath in our lungs and the savior of mankind who died so that we might live. Jesus has all authority. And with that authority, he commands us to go, therefore, and make disciples. So making disciples is the central command that he gives us in the Great Commission. And along with that, as we talked about last week, going is the first part of the process of making disciples, and baptizing is the second part. So we baptize, we are baptized in obedience to Jesus. But who are we supposed to baptize? The text says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Who is them? Who is it referring to? There are really only two options. Right before that, it says the nations and it says disciples. And so it's got to be one of those. And without getting into the nitty gritty of the Greek construction, we could do that, but you can take my word for it. The Greek eliminates the nations as an option. It makes it clear that Jesus instructs us to baptize disciples. So the disciples that we make are the ones that we baptize. And what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who has responded to Jesus' invitation to trust and follow him. A disciple believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, and they have chosen to obey and follow Jesus. That's who a disciple is. And Jesus commands us to baptize disciples, whether they're men, women, boys, girls, who have chosen to trust and follow him. This is why we don't call a seafood boil a seafood baptism. Sea creatures don't put their trust in Jesus. But on a more serious note, this is also why we don't baptize infants here at Bayou City. They are not disciples. They haven't had a chance yet to choose to trust and follow Jesus. So we dedicate them. We commit as a church to help them know and trust and follow Jesus. So who do we baptize? Jesus commands us to baptize the disciples that we make. And what about our second question? Why does he command us to baptize them? Look back at verse 19 with me. Notice he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This phrase helps explain baptism for us. Notice that we baptize baptize disciples in the name, singular, but that name is of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting. There's three persons listed there, but one name. As we sing in the old hymn, Holy, 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 God in three persons, blessed Trinity, that's what's going on here. Disciples are baptized in or into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that means that they are no longer defined by themselves, who they are, what they've done. Now that they've trusted in Jesus, their identity is completely wrapped up in God himself. And not only that, when a disciple is baptized, they are declaring through that act that their allegiance is to Jesus, his Father, and the Holy Spirit. As one, one uh, 
one way I heard it put is if the meaning of baptism could be boiled down to one word, that word would be identification. Baptism speaks primarily of a personal, public identification with Jesus. So why does Jesus command us to baptize new disciples? Because baptism identifies disciples with Jesus. It lets everyone know that the person has placed their faith in Christ and they have chosen to follow him for the rest of their life. Let me give you an example. There's a lot of kids here today. Kids, if you were to take your mom's wedding ring or your dad's wedding ring and you were to put that on your finger, would that make you married? Good. I heard a no from over this way. That's right. Of course not. People don't put on a wedding ring in order to get married. They wear wedding rings because they already are married. And they want to demonstrate and identify themselves as someone who belongs to their spouse. Wedding rings identify someone as married, and baptism is kind of like that. We don't get baptized, I want to be clear on something. We don't get baptized in order to become a follower of Jesus, in order to get saved. We get baptized to publicly identify ourselves as someone who belongs to Jesus, who has already been saved. But that's not the only reason why Jesus commands us to baptize disciples. Look at Romans 6, verses 3 and 4 with me. If you have a, ch- a chance, uh, turn, turn there. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. We read this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, the verses that we just read are talking about spirit baptism. The moment that a person places their faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes that person into Christ, uniting them with him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Water baptism, what Jesus is instructing us to do in Matthew 28, is an outward, visible expression of this inward, invisible reality that the Holy Spirit works for those who have placed their faith in Christ. When someone enters into the waters of baptism, what has already happened in their spirit inside of them is made known out on the outside. And this is one of the reasons why we baptize people by immersion, or to use the, the more common term, it's why we dunk people. It symbolizes this reality. When a person goes down into the water, it shows that they have died with Jesus. And while they're under the water, it shows that they have been buried with Christ and their sins have been done away with. And when they're brought back up out of the water, it symbolizes that just as Christ rose from the dead, that person has been raised to live in newness of life, given a new heart and the spirit of God to enable them to live a life that is pleasing to God. Let me mention a couple of things. 
Though we are commanded by Jesus to be baptized, baptism is not necessary for salvation. We don't have to get baptized in order to be saved. There are examples in the scriptures. One would be the thief on the cross. He gave his life to Jesus. He was not able to be baptized. It's not necessary for salvation. The only thing necessary for salvation is faith in the person and work of Jesus. As it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. If baptism were necessary for salvation, salvation would be a result of works. And another thing I want to make absolutely clear is that the waters of baptism don't magically wash away someone's sin. The water isn't magical. Most of the time, people are baptized in water that's the same tap water. Or if it's in a pool, it didn't come. (laughs) That's not mysteriously cleansing somebody. The waters don't cleanse us. They simply serve as a symbol of the fact that the blood of Jesus has already cleansed us by faith in him. But back to our second question. Why does Jesus command us to baptize disciples? Baptism symbolically demonstrates that the disciple has died, has been buried, and has been raised with Jesus. So it identifies us with Jesus, but it also, baptism also identifies us in one more way. Before we close, look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 with me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We read, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And what this verse is talking about is that our invisible inclusion in the body of Christ, the church, that begins the moment that we become a disciple of Jesus by trusting in him, is made visible in water baptism. So when a disciple is baptized, it signals to them and to the entire church that they are a brother or sister in Christ. It solidifies and and demonstrates their place in the family of God. So baptism identifies somebody with Jesus, and it also identifies that person with his body, the church. And one way I was thinking about it is it's kind of like this. I don't know if anybody here maybe graduated from college, but you didn't attend your graduation ceremony. Maybe you didn't just didn't feel like dealing with all that hoopla, getting the gown going and being there all day in the heat. If somebody graduates from college but doesn't go to their graduation ceremony, that that doesn't make them any less an alumni of that school. Attending the ceremony doesn't make them an alumni. But the ceremony demonstrates to others that that person has become a, a graduate through their hard work, through completing the courses that were required for that degree. Baptism doesn't make someone part of the church. Their faith in the completed work of Jesus does. What it does is it signals to others that the disciple is already a part of the church. So, as we close 
if you're here today, I just wanna, wanna say two things as we close. If you are here today and you have already placed your faith in Jesus and you have already chosen to follow him, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no reason to put this off. Jesus has commanded us to be baptized and if we want to obey him, it's an important step in our discipleship. It's an important step in following him. And we'd love to talk with you about that if you haven't done that. But if you're here today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you haven't chosen to trust him, don't worry about baptism yet. The first and most important decision would be to, to, to trust in Christ as Savior. Every single one of us is broken. We are sinners. And because of that brokenness, we have been separated from God and we stand in need of his forgiveness. And nothing we could ever do to earn it So God sent Jesus to come and he lived the life that we fail to live, that perfect life of trusting and obeying the Father, submitting to him. And at the end of his life, he was crucified in our place on the cross, took the punishment for our sins so that we wouldn't have to, and he died and he was buried. But as we celebrate at Easter, he rose from the dead, he defeated sin and death, and he offers forgiveness for sin and eternal life to anyone who trusts in him and comes and says, I need you. I can't do this. I need you to save me. So if you're here today and you haven't done that, will you choose to trust Jesus as Savior and receive the forgiveness that is found only in him? At this time, I want to invite our folks who are helping with our prayer time to make your way uh, to to the front and to the sides. And we're going to have people available kind of all around the perimeter here today. If you would like to come forward and pray with someone, perhaps you want to pray about something that we've talked about today, about baptism, about trusting in Jesus, or maybe you just want to pray about something that's going on in your life. Pray for your, you have a request for yourself or someone else. These folks are available. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful that you sent him to enter into our broken world, to enter into our mess, to save us and to provide a way for us to be forgiven, to know you, to spend eternity with you. Thank you that you made a way for us and his name is Jesus let's pray that as we wrap up this time and begin our prayer time father that you would uh, continue to move in this place continue to have your way we're just so grateful for all that you are all that you've done for us and we pray this in Jesus name